the Habib Singh podcast. Welcome back. It's a huge honor to have Gomer Singh on today's podcast. It's a really special one. Make sure you like, make sure you comment, make sure you share this with as many people as possible because while he's here, we really want to make the most of him and uh, make the most of his sangat in this opportunity, checking out the expedi- ex- exhibition and all the other stuff that he has going. So let's get right into it. Um, thank you for doing this, first of all. I, w- I was saying earlier, I know everyone wants to speak to you right now. You have so many things going on and you're making time for this. So w- we really appreciate it. No, it's no problem at all. Uh, we actually have a, a mutual friend, so Woot uh, Singh Azadvi is uh, my cousin. Oh right, yes. So I was listening to the podcast you did with him, and it was it was yeah. amazing. You really yeah. you really went into into some depth on on the whole process, which I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, yeah. I want that was to... a while ago, so I've forgotten everything I said. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd recommend it. Um, I'll put it in the show notes so people can go back and listen to that one as well because. I, I'm hope, hoping that we'll get to talk about some different things today as well, as well as the what you're doing in the UK. So let's let's start with that, if that's okay. What are you doing here? Okay, so um, I've been here for about a week now. Uh, we uh, we arrived in London a week ago um, to launch uh, a new book, and it's a collection of. Uh, I'll just show you the book. It's called uh, Journey of the Mind. And it's really just, it's, it encompasses most of my work, you know, but um, more so it's also really about uh, the essential concepts of Sikhi. And essentially really just, it, it's meant to be a real intro into Guru Nanak Dev Ji's message. And it's supposed to really like, the, the hope is that Almost anyone could pick this up, you know, read through it and just really grasp, grasp what, why Guru Nanak Dev Ji came to this earth, you know, what their message was and how to apply that to ourselves and to just, you know, just improve the state of our minds, to improve the state of our lives. And, and, and a lot of it really tackles, you know, the problems that people face today. So, Absolutely. I think that's one of the beautiful things about Gurnandeji's message and, and Gurbani is that the gurus lived it through their their, their life and they gave, gave examples of practically living what they were talking about. I think yeah. that's that's a really beautiful thing. So if people want to get the book, if they want to see you, where can they, where's, when's, this will be out tomorrow, so it will be out in time for the exhibition. So. Yeah, yeah, it's actually available for pre-order. So if you go to the website uh, without shape, without form, if you go on their website, scroll down, you'll see a link for it. And it's also just going to be available from Amazon. So you can just do a search for it there as well. Okay, brilliant. So anyone who's listening to this, you have to buy that book, uh, whether it's off Amazon or from the website. Yeah. If you buy it from Amazon, make sure you leave a review because that really helps um, get the book, get more eyes to the book as well. So uh, as a as a father, I've got you know two kids and and a, a big family, and I really appreciate there being more literature out there, there being more high quality stuff as opposed to um, just more more of the kind of amateur stuff. That my wife actually wrote a book, and it took her about two or three years, and she got somebody to do the artwork, but she never actually put it out there. So I can appreciate just from being a husband to somebody who's a creative, how much, uh, how much work this takes. So it's our duty as a community to really get one of these in every household and especially in schools, because when, when I went to school in Southall, 
the um the Sikh history that we were taught from the teachers was was it was wrong so um you know the only way we're going to correct that is by getting this getting this to more eyes as possible so thanks for doing that seva i, I as a parent i really appreciate it and yeah I if my... i can if i can add something the the book was um basically we've made the book as inexpensive as possible so um no one's going to make so much as like you know a penny off of it um the idea was we just want we did we didn't want um, people to feel like they couldn't afford it so for the quality of the book the size of it full color everything it's basically just it, it couldn't be more accessible so and i think it'll like once we start putting it out there it, it i think it's going to go fast so absolutely and can people pick it up when they when they come to see you in birmingham yeah so i think it will be available here as well um so um so we can talk about the exhibit and and it, the book relates to the exhibit, but it's also sort of separate from it. So. Can we talk about the exhibit? Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely. I would love to talk about the exhibit. Um, so if and I mean, some some of some people may have seen the the without shape, without form gallery in Slough. So they'll have a little bit of a sense of um, where we're starting from. But this exhibition is designed as a traveling exhibit. Um, and would we want to hit up as many cities over the next couple of years in the UK as possible? We're also hoping to go to Canada, the US, some places in Europe as well. It's, it's all kind of just falling into place. Um, so, but this is going to be the only time we're going to be in Birmingham. So if you are in the area, I do encourage you to come down. Um, so, and we're here till uh, December 9th. Um, oh, sorry, December 4th. Um, so, um, so we have a little bit of time. Uh, but there's a lot of other like programming in and around that. So it's really a good idea to go to the Without Shape, Without Form website and just uh, dig into what we've got going on. Um, the exhibit itself is going to be a little bit different than uh, what we have in Slough. Um, because it's a traveling exhibit, we've had to reformat it. Um, we really want it to be super accessible to anybody walking in. Um, we're not framing the exhibit so much as this is an ex exhibition on Sikh history. It's really more about Gurdanak Devji's message and how that message can be, how that message can be assumed and related and how people can connect to it. And in very simple ways, um, you know, in, in very sort of, so we're addressing it with just really essential concepts like justice. How does that relate to leading a spiritual life? How does, you know, where, how, how do we engage with a sense of justice? You know, how do we engage with a sense of equality? How do we engage with inner peace? Um, so these are just, you know, essentially they're just, they're just, just such core messages and we're we're seeing we you know i mean we're we're sort of getting into how what are the struggles people have today and what are the struggles people had throughout Sikh history you know and you know how they were able to find the set uh, the strength you know where they got that, that ability to cope with so much, you know, and then hopefully people will walk in and get a sense of sick history for sure, get a sense of sick religion, but
but also really, really we want people to, to get a sense of like, how do I apply this to me? That's amazing on so many levels. I'm thinking of in my lifetime, I don't remember an exhibit like that going kind of internationally um, of this caliber. So, you know, it's it's taken us a long time as a community and obviously God to bless you with this seva to get to this point. So um, it's it's a very exciting time for me as a parent and as a as a Sikh to have this, to actually show people, okay, you know, look at this and... Um, if you want to know what Sikhs are, what they're about, then this is a good place to place to start. And I think with everything that's going on around in the world and lots of political stuff and and, and lots of different types of um, issues, I think having um, a refocus on central concepts w- around the the way of life, the Sikh way of life, I think is is a beautiful thing. Um, I'm sure the kids will enjoy it. Um, as well as the adults and the elderly as well. Um, so my question was, my next question was, so what are the dates of the exhibition? I'll put everything in the description box as well. And I, I looked at the links. You have to you have to book on as well. So make sure you, you book on so you don't go there and get disappointed because there's not enough spaces. So it is free, but you do need to book. So I'm, I'm planning on being there. And, um, and so ha- what are the dates? I know you said you're here till the 4th of December. Yeah, so we... Um, so uh, we've got a few different events going on. Um, we've got like um, so. So the art exhibit is from the um, the eighteenth to December fourth. So you have uh, uh, you have time to uh, you know in your calendar anywhere between there you can come check it out and it'll be open. Um, on top of that, we've got. Um, another talk that we're doing, which is going to be uh, this Thursday. Um, and this is just myself as, and um, sitting up with an, uh, alongside uh, Deep Core, who's the person who's really like um, created this um, exhibition, like really like, um, I mean, I'm the one who I paint and I create these images, but they're sort of like, you know, it's just this painting's about this, this painting's about that. And what um, Deep has done, like she's curated all of that and she's really focused on uh, how to sort of like incorporate like um, sort of the messaging to bring that in. And, and it's been a whole group alongside with her, but she, she has sort of that vision to really sort of create these spaces and, and to sort of just create the overall experience. So it's... it's um, so yeah, so basically this Thursday uh, at 5.30, um, it's, uh, you can come and uh, check out this talk. And uh, we're gonna just be talking about process for myself, the process of like, um, you know, sort of, sort of the creativity aspect of like, you know, being a creative, but also having kind of a spiritual side to yourself, how those two relate. Um, yeah, we're just going to be unpacking a lot of stuff like that. It's pretty unf- informal, but um, you do have to sort of like sign up for tickets. So, Absolutely. That sounds really interesting. Um, so that kind of brings me to some of the questions that I had. Um, so prior to obviously getting involved with Guru Manu Granth Gurdwara and the, the, the kind of um, the creation aspect of it, you, you were creating artwork, um, Sikh artwork. And 
you know if as a as a as a parent as a family man you know that's probably not the like lucrative most lucrative line you could go down right you could become a, a business lawyer or something else so what what kind of drove you what was the impetus to go down a path where actually there was no path prior to prior to you doing this um yeah you know what i mean i i i'm not gonna say that i had like a whole lot planned out at the beginning i was running on a lot of inspiration and the inspiration was just you know when i read sick history i was just blown away by it i just i saw these incredible visuals and also as a visual artist being able to like mine something that's been barely touched is just really um it's it's really interesting you know it's it's just it's it's like a whole playground all for yourself you know so i initially i just started with that and and i'll be honest i was quite happy just to sort of see what came of it i didn't know where what level of artwork i would be able to create i didn't know if people would be interested so if anything it was really just for my own pursuit um but after that it became like, um, you know, as you know, I engaged more with Sangat and people responded really positively to the work. It sort of just built piece by piece. I mean, I, I would be dishonest to say that I had some sort of vision. Um, but if I ever did have sort of like a vision of where it could go, I mean, that's kind of happening right now with the, uh, the gallery event um, at the Birmingham Library. Um, because I just went to get just just to check it out now we're still in the process of just like installing it so but it it just looks really slick it looks so professional and I don't know I've never seen like anything of ours like from the seat like that's coming from the arts the community ever done that really really high standard and that's really the mission here the whole group the whole the whole gallery um, without shape without form all they want to do is say, we have this great message. Let's just, let's put it out there in just the most beautiful way possible. And I'm just really happy to be a part of that. Mm. It's really inspiring, not, not just from uh, the, the context of it, but just the, the kind of um, forest from the trees is, you know, you did something that you wanted to do for yourself, not to make money, but just for your own pursuit and it turned out to be something that you actually are able to you do for the last what 15 years yeah so that's incredible um do you are you at the point where it's still interesting in terms of like 15 years in i've been doing my job for about that much along uh, about that long and peter drucker who's a management guru he says when you get to that mark you're kind of looking at okay a second career let me do something else because i'm getting a bit bored of the first but that's for probably mainstream professions what's it like for you as a creative how do you keep it keep it kind of fresh um no I, I think that's just as true for creatives too um one of the things that I've seen happen with a lot of artists artists that I admire um and this is probably the same with most professions what happens is you get comfortable right um and uh you get comfortable in your sort of style you get comfortable to the point where you know, if you do X, Y, Z, you can rely on a certain amount of income coming in and then and that's easy. But what, what, ha what I try to do is I just force myself to take like hard right turns or, you know, just like I won't let myself be comfortable. 
So I don't know. I, I know people won't really get a sense of that when they look at my work uh, because, you know, even in a gallery, they might see my work arranged chronologically by the date of the events that I'm showing. But that's not necessarily how I painted them. Um, but if you would arrange my work in the order that I painted them, you would see that I keep doing like very strange directions in stylistically, you know? And so, so I've been doing that for a while. I challenged myself to be very different, like to, to keep tweaking things, to keep changing things up. And now it's actually getting to be the point where I'm stepping away from um, simply telling sort of the known history and some of the messages behind it to really try to engage with the more abstract concepts within Sikhi and how those things inform us, you know? So it's, I'm, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing from a year from now. I, I just, I have, a, I have ideas laid out, you know, um, and I'm working with the, the group at the gallery. There's ideas they want me to explore as well. I mean, they don't really direct what I should paint, but it's like we talk about like concepts, ideas, you know, wouldn't it be great if we did a series on something like this? And then they just let me go ahead and do it. But more and more, really getting into like things that are, it's almost like they're pushing more into an abstract territory. There's things that are more like sort of mental ideas, mental Fatal. concepts um, that are very difficult to like. They're not as straightforward, you know, as drawing like, you know, charging horses and battles and, you know, that sort of thing. So definitely I've been moving more and more into that. That's amazing. And in terms of spiritually, what's what's your journey been like? Because I I um there's there's a lot in terms of from kind of Eastern philosophy and, and Western philosophy on on giving the mind space and taking things up out from the subconscious and and even with kind of scientific breakthroughs that will have often happen while people are running or or when they're not in actually a work mode. Um so Growing up, I would always see this image of Guru Nanak Dev Ji and an image of Guru Gobind Singh Ji. And the younger generation, like my grandparents at least, felt, thought that that was a, an accurate depiction of, of what they look like. Um, but how do, you, how do you draw from, from you know, your, your subconscious to paint these images of, of, of the of people who we don't have any kind of accurate images of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know that that is something that I do get asked. Um, I, I think the easiest way I can say it is I really don't get hung up on it. Um, so when I see the painting, I mean, people say, oh, it's a painting of Guru Gobind Singh and they say, this is how you do their face. What I try to think of it more is I really, I'm, I'm trying to think about, you know, the, the whole, the whole painting, you know? So sometimes for instance, even the way I designed the landscape around a particular figure, the mood of the landscape, it's in very often, it's a poetic way to tell what's going on in the painting. It relates to the frame of mind of, of the individual. So if I do a painting of Baba Banda Singh Bahadur, and it's his last battle, 
and the sun is setting and there's all these forces arrayed against him. There's just, uh, you know, so it's the, you know, the, the sunset, the water, everything, the mood of that relates to his sense of resilience, you know, that even in that, those last, you know, coming to the end of his sort of mission on earth, um, it, it just relates to his frame of mind, you know? Hmm. Um, so a lot of the paintings I, I try, I think like, I don't get hung up on the faces. It's just, there's a point where it feels right to me. I mean, if you really look at my painting of say, I've had three or four paintings of Blue Wilkinson, I'm not even sure if they really look like it's the same person. There is a connection, like physical features. You know, I don't even try to really keep them that consistent, you know? So it's it's really more about the the message behind that piece, mm -hmm. the mood that I'm trying to create. So uh, when I do the painting, uh, we titled it just Mitra Piyari New of Guru Gobind Singh in the Machibar, um in the jungle, jungle. right? Um, a lot of that is stepping into this zone of, you know, the background is uh, very, I mean, some people like when they first heard it, it's like, oh, that's very sort of psychedelic. I don't, they don't know if that's the word they'll use, but really it was more about like, uh, I used a lot of, you know, the trees, the way they were very kind of like, you know, just sort of, uh, how to describe it. It was just sort of like the environment kind of clawed at you. It was a hostile, oppressive, strange sort of space. But then you have Grusov in the middle of it in a state of absolute peace. Um, so, you know, the, the, the balance of that and how that related um, to the event, you know, to the Bonnie, that was more important than specifically how I portrayed their face, you know? That's really interesting. And I, I, really, um, I really like that answer because it's more about the message as opposed to, you know, looking at history and looking at, you know, what color they, you know, how big their head circumference was or, or the shape yeah. of their nose and, and that type of thing. So yeah. that's really interesting. I, there's a, there's a thing called Devinder Singh, who's a historian and he's collected artwork from uh, Guru, Guru Sahib's time. And he's got some, and um, of Guru Nanak Deji, and depending on the artist, he looks completely different. So the, the Chinese artists have painted him looking Oriental. And right. so depending on the artist, the image is completely different. So it's not so much, you were saying something similar, it's not so much about whether it's an accurate portrayal of, of his facial expression of features, it's yeah. more about the, the story that that image is trying to tell. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, if I, I think that's what, like, I don't think they would want anyone to focus on how they looked at you know, how they look, it, they'd want to focus on the message. So hmm. I try to just do the same. I, I have the same approach with the artwork. Yeah. And somehow it works. And somehow it falls falls into place. Yeah, I think the old, older generation easily get attached to the image. Um, I think it's easily done. And um, my grand, for example, she um, she talks about Guru Nanak Dev Ji and, you know, all these Seth Jangisi. And I was like, you know, he did a yatre. He, he, he hardly ate um it's unlikely that he was obese and and plump like you know the old the old photos of Gunagdeji so um yeah. so yeah I, I think context is is important as well um 
so in terms of meditation is a big thing now in the west and obviously it's a, it's a the key concept in in sikhi and and lots of people look at flow states and how to get into a place where you can focus your mind and and reduce the rumination and the clutter of the mind yeah. and and so how how is how is creating art is that like a meditative process or is it other things that you do to get you yourself in the zone how does it work uh what i found is that when you're creating art you're creating it not simply when you're actually in the physical like you're just drawing or painting whatever your art form is a lot of the art the ideas form in the spaces and times in between um so it is really important for myself to be to try and find like just time when just i can be in that meditative state you know um like for me like you know in the summertime it's just i'm i'm an avid gardener i just i love um landscaping and i just i like doing that and mostly it's because everybody else around me hates it so i get to just quietly you know i just but it allows me you know you're working with your hands you're doing something that doesn't require a lot of mental energy um and then it just allows you to relax and then i find that those are the times where i might have been painting like you know the day before or earlier in the day and i got to a point and i don't know what i'm doing next and and, and a lot of one of the things i had to learn is when to stop you know because mm-hmm. it's better to stop than go like you know 20 miles in the wrong direction than have to mm-hmm. backtrack so then i would stop and then i would just do these things that put me in a state where i could sort of reflect you know these ideas could just sort of percolate in the back of my mind um and often then the solution will present itself so that might be for me it's 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 not so much the actual act of meditation i i'm just sort of the beginning of my simran practice and i'm just i'm trying to get there i have a very hard i i struggle with that always have um i almost have to trick my mind to get into that state so by doing something with my hands by doing something it just it doesn't engage my mind too much i fall into it you know um so and that's when a lot of the art does happen so it's really important to to find those spaces for yourself mm. and i think there's a there's an epidemic of uh, not doing that because it not for yourself but for the general population it's easy to get distracted there's so many shiny objects is this social media there's um netflix you know you could you could waste away years just um um in a zombie mode of um Uh, being engaged in these things and not actually really engaging with what am i feeling what's going on in my head ideas concepts like life family other things around you um so it's really interesting it's really interesting how you kind of haven't you haven't fallen victim to that as much as uh, as much as the rest of us I and and that little, kind of <laughs> sorry yeah. i think a little bit of that is just generational i think i'm just a little bit older i grew up just before like internet really blew up um so i i i think I, i just i did a lot of my learning when there wasn't as many options for distraction i don't know how i'd even approach my art right now i see a lot of times um 
you know, especially with Instagram, it's almost the worst um, kind of uh, environment to release your art. Um, because the very idea of spending months on something that somebody else is going to like gaze at for a few seconds and then just move on to the next thing, the next thing, it's just, it's very, you know, it, it just, it's, you really want to create art where people can really look at it, reflect on it. Um, that's why having it in a gallery and having these places are more and more important mm. because we're, we're not just creating it's not just me creating the art. A lot of times, you know, I'm almost embarrassed by how much people will credit me for the whole thing. But um, even if you've gone to the, the gallery, it's not so much thought was put into how these, how we can create a space where people can walk in. You know, it's almost like you're not allowed to see everything all at once. Um, you walk in, you see one piece, you know, you read mm -hmm. about it reflective on, on, on the body you just and then you move on to the next it forces you to slow down hmm. galleries are great that way it stops you from charging through you know um so i think with social media and uh, um, the world we live in right now i don't know really what kind of art we're going to get in the future because for a lot of artists, it's almost this is a disincentive to spending a long time on your art. There's more of an incentive to spending more time on self-promotion. Absolutely. Less time on art, but I don't know how that plays out because in your art, I don't know how good your art get. You know, yeah, you I... have to, your focus has to be on that. So it's yeah. really challenging. In terms of the research in neuroscience, and, and there's been a few whistleblowers from Instagram and Facebook, some executives who've, who've, um, who are kind of anti-social media now. And what they're saying is that really, especially with young people, they should go off social media for six months, form their own opinions and ideas about things, and then see what kind of space they have for social media. Otherwise, their minds are being manipulated in a way that we're just all becoming carbon copies of, of whatever we're being fed in terms of the the algorithm um and we're being manipulated in a sense so i think there's a lot of um you know people copying other people's work because that's what they they're seeing and that's a, a shortcut to um to to looking like you you know what you're doing and you're you're good at what you're doing but um as a, a few years ago i used to go to the vna a lot and they have a, a big um, Muslim exhibition in terms of the the Islamic artwork and and even carpets and all sorts of different types of uh, forms of art and um, and they don't there's Maharaj and Inji Singh's throne there and there's a, there's a, maybe a handful of shastra but that was it yeah. so um, you know like it, the thoughtful pieces of work that you're creating are are going to stand the test of time because it's not something you can just mock up on on a on a computer program by typing in a few instructions and you know copying and pasting a turban on somebody here and there so um yeah. this yeah so i think it's important to appreciate that somebody is doing that deep work yeah because a lot of times if, if okay when i set out to do a particular piece it's not like i've got it all worked out in my head so it's a journey for myself um so 
in that process, I will end up like unlocking ideas, unlocking things that were just, I had no idea could go in there. You know, I mean, I remember I did this painting, the, the one I did the painting of um, the Shote Sabzade. And, and you, the way I've composed it is you're sort of like almost like an x-ray, but you're seeing inside where they are as well as what's happening on the outside, right? Um, so that was sort of a tricky way to convey that to the audience that they're being ripped alive, but you're able to see them. But what the, the scene is where the last brick is falling into place, and the light inside is diminishing. But naturally, I noticed that when I did it, the light becomes triangular, you know, across their chest, and they're wearing like their yeah, the their clothing was yellow and it looked exactly like a Nishan, you know? It was just something that just happened. You know, it wasn't like I didn't come up with the idea, but in the process of doing that. So when you do a painting, it takes several months to do, you know, you, you work on it, you put it away, you bring it back, things like that happen. And then you play those things up, you know? And most of the time, and because it was subtle, because it wasn't planned, most people don't even see that. When they see it, they can't unsee it, you know? Um, so a lot of interesting thing happens in art when it's done in a slow, measured way. And now I just, you know, it's, gets, it's a really tricky space um, to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you allow that to happen, you know? It's almost like, I don't know if a lot of artists even realize that that's an option, but if, if you really want to, like you know the secret to good art it's it's boredom you know just be bored i so i don't actually keep instagram or i don't even keep a phone actually it annoys the heck out of people because they, you're just practically an alien now if you don't have a phone i can um, vouch for that i have to communicate i have to message your wife if i want to contact you exactly i just <laughs> i just i stopped i tried it for a while um but i just found that like my brain couldn't work the same way you know and I just wasn't having the same sort of thoughts. I would go on Instagram and just be scrolling and just like, you know, an hour would go by because, you know, it's like, oh, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. There's just no sort of space for that. So I, I mean, I, I think just it's a big deal, but just if just don't keep your phone on you, you know, like. Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be difficult for people to think and have breakthroughs in what they're doing um if they have if they engage with technology too much it's gonna it's gonna diminish the capacity for breakthroughs in whatever field i think so thinking is i think a lost a lost art so it's good that you put systems in place and protocols in place to maintain that ability to be able to think and reflect and and reiterate um so I think that that we all need that. And this podcast is aimed at the younger generation to inspire the younger generation. So it's more pertinent for them, um, e- even more pertinent for them. So that kind of ties into the next question around your processes around productivity and um, and getting a piece of work done, traveling, with all you, you you mentioned the potential for international taking this exhibition internationally, how how will you how do you kind of protect your time? You've mentioned you don't have the phone with you. You've got gardening, which is a great 
uh, outlet to be able to have loads of positive influences on the mind without without kind of taking you into an, an, a negative uh, rabbit hole. So is it, yeah. are there any other productivity tips that you can give to creatives? I mean, I'd have to get specific into as a painter, right? Um, but it, I, I definitely take the opportunity to just go to galleries, even galleries I've been to. I mean, if you live in London, you're very, very lucky. You're a lot luckier than anyone who lives in Canada. There's not much, you know? Um, so, um, you know, so whatever your thing is, just find time to immerse in that and not necessarily just what's good contemporary, like not what's good right now, you know? Mm. Because one of the things you realize is as a painter, you realize it is like the painter you thought was a good painter was actually just a slick, simplified version of a much better painter. And as you start to do that journey and you really find who are the absolute geniuses and you start to soak that in, it's even like nothing you have to do actively. You just go, you, you, you know, you walk through galleries, you absorb it. And some of that just filters into you, you know, mm-hmm. every time I step out of a gallery, I, I problems are, cause I'll come in with ideas that are percolating in my brain. You know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And that's becoming more and more of a concern for me now in the sense that I'm, I'm forcing myself to step into a very um, difficult or more challenging space with a lot more abstract ideas, you know? Um, so I try to absorb just the greats all the time. And a lot of that is so that just, that also means you gotta shut off the ego a bit. You know, you've gotta shut off that, that, that part of you is worried about, because here's the other horrible part about spaces like Instagram. Um, you're not as concerned about your art, you're more concerned about how it's received, what people think about it. Uh, you're, you know, so it's like, you, you want to get that sort of juice. You want to just get kind of like that, that validation. Uh, the, the validation. And, and if you're searching for validation, the problem is you will only create work that is, you know, it's, it's, it's very short term. It's, it's not like, um, you're not having a conversation because that's what that's what art is. It's a form of conversation with an audience um, in a way that you have a hard time maybe verbalizing. So as a painter, it's easier for me to get ideas across um, than it is for me to say them. I'm, I'm actually pretty terrible at like trying to explain my paintings. Um, I've often been at galleries where I've, I've, you know, my work is up and somebody will come up and they will just start like talking about the piece to me. I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, I wish I could like, why can't I put those words together, you know? Um, but it's, you know, they get it, you know, and it's, it's having that connection, you know, and then, so uh, I don't know, a lot of that comes from not seeking to do work that you necessarily get validation for, not necessarily seeking to do work that you get, that you know is going to make X amount of dollars, Um because a lot of my paintings, my favorite paintings are paintings that are of my own, are ones that are not, like they're really well received um, from an emotional level, but they're not essentially paintings that are commercial. They're not paintings that are, people are going to put them up on the wall. So, you know, there are a lot of more harder paintings, harsher paintings, I should say, like the painting of just, uh, 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 just won't sing cholera, you know? talking about the post-1984 years, you know, 
um, what happened in Punjab. It's a really brutal painting, but I wanted it to be brutal. I wanted it to be almost like, like you were trying tearing the skin off something so you could expose the rawness, you know? Um, so the colors reflect that, uh, the scenery reflects that. Like every piece of that painting is taken from a photograph. Uh, every, every, so every, every bit of it is a real, is a ref reference to a real person, a real event, something that happened. Um, you know, talking about all the, the young kids who are disappeared, the young things. And, you know, you have, um, you know how you have, like, you see, you've seen it on Instagram where their parents are elderly parents, they're, they're elderly now, but they're holding pictures of their son. Um, I took a lot of those. I had them up everywhere around me in my studio. So in the painting, he's uh, just once in color is sort of walking in this very dark space and these photographs are blowing around him. So each one of those photographs is a photograph of somebody who's disappeared. Um, um, there's just uh, um, uh, like there's scenes of, you know, uh, the sort of sort of the encounter killings happening in the background. There is uh, in the sky behind, it just sinks into sort of this red sunset, you know, and it, it's sort of like the, the sun, there's the pinpoint of light at the back, which references like this last speech he gave, which talks about like, you know, that, that light dying, you know, darkness descending and the necessity to shine a light against that. Um, this, the, 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 the sky behind him, it's, it's black and it's ravaged and it's red, you know, and it's just scarred with bodies. And, and, and all of those are photos, you know, uh, just arranged in such a way which talked it, it, it's just it, that that was the force that drove him that knowledge of what had been happening I mean ultimately he tried his best to get the message out about what was happening in the Punjab and then when he went back he became a victim of that that same you know mm. that same sort of that same genocide so that I, I suppose trying to get back to your original point, but all of that, like that, that took, you know, months and months of work. I'm very proud of that painting. It's not a painting that many people will ever, you know, um, but it's a painting that a lot of people will connect with. It will resonate. So if in, in, so that kind of work happens when you kind of really slow things down. And when you don't think about, well, what's the end goal here from like, you know, what am I getting out of it? Is it, is this the right career move, whatever? Because um, any one piece may not be, but then you create like a body of work and the body of work reflects you as an artist, you know? Some things will support you commercially, but other things will really tell the story of who you are as a creative person, mm -hmm. you know? I think that's um, a beautiful message as well for the people who are going to be listening to this, because um, with a lot of the youth that I talk to now, they're looking at professions as, you know, which professions will earn me the biggest, you know, biggest paycheck. So they're looking at finance, they're looking at, you know, inv investment banking and, and yeah. accounting and that type of thing. And, um, you know, and then I see them years later and they're not fulfilled in their jobs or there's no satisfaction yeah. in it. So um Again. I need a lot of rich people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and so do I. So 
I think it's really important to, if you're going to dedicate your life to something, if you're going to put 15 years of hard graft into something like you've done, you want it to be something that you can, you know, rest your head at night and feel like actually that was, that was purposeful and that meant something. Um, so, so that's, um, how, what, what's your exercise routine? Like, I know you had to see a chiropractor cause you said, spent so long um, painting Oh, uh, uh, remember listening to your podcast but how do you it's, it's obviously a sedentary job um, oh, yeah how do you manage like to maintain your health um i i probably should be doing a lot more frankly um i think uh my main thing is actually just um it, it's kind of again to find those meditative spaces so i'm lucky to live in an area where like there's a lot of trails uh, just do a lot of walking um that that at least you know so like right now my my goal even on this trip is no matter what's going on i try to like my wife and i we try to walk like 10k a day right it's amazing um so it's just that i'm because i'm i've always had a really hard time with uh like sort of formal exercise you know um and i'm trying to get there because i know as you get like older you really got push yourself you got to push those weights you know um but mostly it, it's just things like walking it's it's things like um just moving about because it, it is a difficult job it art is a difficult job i mean i think people see one side of it they see oh you're in london you're having an event you got this gallery they see a lot of people around you but you go from like i, I go from having a gallery event with this you know several hundred people lots of people want to talk to me and you're sort of really swamped. And I try to engage with people as much as I possibly can because I've had people that, you know, booked a flight from India just to come down and just, just wow. for one event. So it's it's not, you know, I, I feel wretched if I don't give them at least, you know, a little bit of time and I, I want to talk to them, you know. Um, but at the same time, you go from that, then you go back to your studio and it's just, frankly, it's just you, you know, and, you know, your equipment to create the work and it's just it's a simple room it's like you know and it can be very it can be a lonely space quite honestly you know when you're really feeling the work flowing you don't notice the time close by but there's a lot of time nothing's working you know and then you have a lot of self-doubt so there's a lot of really strange highs and lows um that you kind of have to get your mind around and i think that's more and more like meditation is just it's really good kind yeah. of balance those out do not feel too high you know when everything's going on around you and then not feel too low because there's sort of this misconception of the sort of tortured artist um and there is some validity to that where if you are like there are paintings when i was feeling very low um sometimes they like you know i would engage in that space but it's a dangerous space. Very often I would find that, like when I did the painting just once in color, it, it, it's not like, it brought me even lower, you know, because the content is heavy. It's, mm. And I kind of just went into it just brazenly. Um, I want it to be as real as possible. But when you're sitting there and you're staring at a painting of someone who's been murdered, right? And I had like so many of these photographs and then you're sitting there and you're carefully painting, you know, their eyelid, their face, their lips, you know, 
like it kind of did a psychological number on me and I just didn't really address that. I wish I had, when I was doing that painting, had just been really more focused on meditation um, because then it would have pulled me out of that space. So that painting really just not only was it, was a very challenging painting emotionally, but it really ground me down, you know? And it took me a while to just, I had to basically just not do any work for a while just to kind of get back to sort of, mm. you know, uh, just sort of a better state. Because the thing is you really, you when you do a piece and it's in front of you, it's kind of like, it's like your, your whole vision. And it's like, you, you, if you're really feeling that work, you can be in a flow state, but at the same time, it can really be tugging at you. It can really be, it's not necessarily just like, positive like you know your mental space may not be like in a really positive space just because you're in a flow state because if you're tackling something that's really heavy that's really mm -hmm. hard it's going to grind at you i mean you don't realize it first you know absolutely. but it's slowly grinding at you and then you feel really worn out absolutely so there is some neuroscience on um when you're when you're thinking through something like if you're in they use it the they use the example of sports so they would have someone through throw um shoot jump shots for example and they'll go through it in their mind and they put them in a functional mri scanner and just thinking through that that whole movement mm -hmm. lights up the exact same areas in the brain as physically doing it does right. so so thinking about something that's happened or reading something can have a similar impact on someone's uh, uh, brain as actually experiencing that thing so if you're in that state for months yeah, yeah. it's um it, it takes a lot of you know incredible amount of re resilience to do what you've you've done uh, i i'm you know fragile i'll, I'll read something and i'll say to my wife oh don't tell me about that you know it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just too much it's just oh, too there's, much there's stuff i can't read about like i mean as a canadian we have like this very dark history that's coming out more more about the residential school system and it's no matter how people frame it essentially it was just you know it was uh, you know over 150 years it was just a plan to to eliminate a culture you know um and i can't read about that stuff because i particularly connected to what happens with Punjab, but i think it's still happening right now i i think mm. we are you know sikhs are especially in the Punjab. i, I do feel like there's an intent to erase us yeah, you know? I think I think they've got a bit smarter about it as well. There's, there's, they're using more, they're using different tactics. So it, it's it's less fake encounters and more you know, get people onto alcohol, get people onto onto drugs. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the water down the 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 faith of the people, um, yeah. and then it's very easy to get, get them to do whatever you want. And you know, if you if they're not fighting. If they're, if they're fighting amongst each other, they're not going to be fighting for a cause or, or they're not going to see the bigger picture of what's happening. Um, and it's happened to blacks in America, right? If you look at, you know, um, prohibition of marijuana, yeah. now it's legalized in California and there's people who, who are still serving life sentences for, for, um, for marijuana possession. So um, Yeah, absolutely. That community suffered. And then whereas you have like, you know, you know, like, the other communities that are like now profiting off of it you know Absolutely. and it's, it's, it's like, big business it's billion it's dollar big business, business now. now right and in and it's just another method in which to like bog people's minds it's just another drug that's put out there to stop us from thinking and and that's why more and more just the, the direction that i've taken with um good morning about good work this, this focus on 
meditation is focused on strengthening the mind. I mean, that's why this exhibit is called Journey of the Mind. It's not like the history of the six. It's 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 like the journey, the, the inner journey that they undertook to get where they got to, to accomplish these things, to endure and, and thrive in the environment that they they were thrust into. Um, so I, I think it's just there's so much out there now that is just deliberately trying to turn us into mindless zombies. And I, I really like the way to put a positive, um, bring it back to something positive. I really like the way the exhibition is framed because I, I work in a hospital and I interact with lots of different communities. People see a beard in a turban. They want to know what is that about? Yeah. And um, it's really nice to have something which is a bit, which is a bit, you know, less Punjabi and a bit mm-hmm. more mainstream. So you can say, yeah. well, if you want to learn about it, this is this is a good resource yeah. to to look into. Um, so from a from a kind of multi being in London, uh, is Slough is the the most diverse out Greater London um and borough in the whole of, of the uk and and um london is the most diverse central london so you know there's there's i think slough has something like 56 different types of nationalities communities and ethnic groups so to have something like that resource is is really powerful and, and to frame it when you're looking at the journey of the mind and you know that type of thing it's it's it can a lot more people can connect with it than just having you know seek history yeah so I think that's really beautiful. And and when I was, before I got into Sikhi, because I, I had cut hair and um, and uh, used to be just normal normal Punjabi guy. And um, I I was really interested in different faiths. I used to read up on, you know, I read up on Islam, I read up on Christianity, um, King James Bible and and um, Book of Genesis and, and the Buddhist literature and, and yeah. um, Judaism. And so to have like an actual you know, your worthy resource from from a Sikh perspective is is really yeah. um is really really valuable um because I, th- I think we can go too far in um kind of like we can i think the generation in terms of my tr- my kids generation and my generation we want to have something that we can we can believe yeah and i think you can go so far into the story and the story can sometimes when I hear a story I think you know that 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 doesn't sound believable but when you look at Gurbani and when you look at when you actually connect it to Gurbani and you look at the the actual like putting you there's there's a video I've seen on online and it's a Buddhist monk and out of protest they he's he puts a petrol over himself and he sets fire to himself so there was a narrative a while ago saying, how could Guru Arjan Devji give Shahidi? And there were a few Pracharaks who were saying, oh, he was screaming when he was he he um, was made Shahid. So when you look at these Buddhist monks who, this person wasn't any guru, he wasn't a particularly yeah. like senior Buddhist monk. He was just somebody who had spent his, his life in meditation. And you see, actually, these things are possible. They're still happening today. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of come at it from a, of from a mind perspective as opposed to you know this person had a sword which weighed this much and he was just yeah yeah he was just that good of a fighter it just doesn't have real the real um i think the message gets a little bit lost 
Well, that it really gets to the idea of the universality of this message because you're seeing it play out. That's a perfect example when that Buddhist monk can just do that and just sit there, you know, while it's just engulfed in flames and you're just thinking like, wow, right? That's like, that talks about the strength of the mind. You know, and the, that's like, you know, when you talk, you know, going, we can sort of like, Sometimes we frame a lot of history in a very sort of machismo kind of way. And we have sort of a skewed idea of what strength and power is. That's power. What the gurus demonstrated to us, what Gurajan demonstrated was this mm. is the power of the mind, you know? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and the fact that this is, this is attainable, mm. you know? Like we That's all beautiful. have that. And, and also the power of restraint, right? Because there were things that they could have, you know, they could have gone to war over, over things. They could have, you know, they, they could have been, they could have been a lot of, the decisions could have been a lot more self-centered, um, but they weren't. They were looking at actually yeah. what is God's will. It's not, you know, this is, this person did this to me, so now I'm going to do this to them. It's, it was very much living um gurbani and terapanami talagin how can i how they showed that they you know when guru amadasi was kicked he didn't he didn't say you know that's it i'm going to punch you in your face now the kind of yeah. thing that you and i would do or i would do but um it was uh you know did you hurt your foot so yeah. that that nimrata was embodied um in the actions so i think it's i think it's something beautiful that you're doing um yeah. you have well, kids actually- and, uh, but you know the, the point that you were making though i just wanted to add something to that um one of the things that we've done um uh, with the gallery in slough and here is we were creating specific new paintings like um that sort of um that people won't have seen so for instance there is a painting in slough that it's not anywhere else which is just a guru arjun's shahidi and that point is so in in it while you know even though he's sitting on that hot plate, right? Um, it's like his posture is one of absolute strength. And then he's making a gesture, which is like this, which is and uh, to, to settle the crowd because he's in, all around him. You see people like just the impressions of figures that are like rioting. And, you know, there's a lot of turbulence happening around him because the the story that i understood was um Rodin's, uh, followers said that look just give the signal we'll riot you know we'll get you out of there just give the signal and he's just saying no you know he's telling them that this is for him to do so that you know i just, I just wanted to get back to that so that's What's been really good is I've been challenged to do a lot of pieces that are really specific to some of these stories. Um, and it's been really good to be able to weave them into the narrative of my wider work as well. So I'm actually just really enjoying. And so getting back to your earlier question about, you know, 15 years later, how do you find motivation? A lot of it is just collaboration is really good because sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on the creative as the individual, you know, this painter created these paintings and we kind of sort of fetishize that idea of a person doing everything solo. But for me, it's been just really amazing to sort of come into it with whatever I have 
but then just sort of get, get some guidance on, um, you know, really important events and how to like, um, you know, how to think about them, you know? And so it, it just gets back to sort of like, it's uh, finding collaborative spaces, but the people who are very creative in their own way um, can really just, you know, you just, you can just create some really beautiful work and you can really just progress, mm-hmm. you know, in ways you just can't do on your own. So that's where things are with that. Yeah. And it reminds me of a Steve Jobs interview about connecting the dots. And he was saying, you can't connect the dots going forwards, but you can connect the dots going back. So if you hadn't put those hundreds of hours of hard graft in, I don't think the Guru Manu Grant, you know, would be aware of the kind of like the, the potential to collaborate. And because you have to be, you you obviously of a, a certain caliber of an artist for them to think actually let's invest all this time let's invest all of this thought into you know d- exhibiting this in the best possible way that we can and getting the most eyes on this as possible yeah i'm really humbled by actually the amount of people and you know people use you that word i'm really humble but um I, you know <laughs> Like, yeah, and we've really been there. The queues out the door. You know, you have to wait for you have to wait for yeah. hours sometimes to, to but, even. But get I'm in. really humbled by the, 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 the. There's so many people that are doing work behind the scenes that don't get won't get any credit for it. But you know, it, which even included just you know packing three lorry loads of material like you know on Sunday night and getting it here like crack of dawn because they wanted to drive slowly and carefully the last thing they wanted to do was having any of this work jostled and damaged um all it took to pack that unpack that they've been working like two three days now just to set it up perfectly i mean and there was someone just going around just cleaning every little tile and everything and it was just it's incredible so there's a lot of people that are doing so much seva to to make this happen um so i'm really hoping that a lot of people will come out to Birmingham and, and check this out I'm 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 confident they will. I can guarantee it because um, you know the what you have is a beautiful thing, and the Midland Sangat is also generally, from my experience, growing up in the UK, living here my whole life, they they are um, appreciative of of um, when there's the when there's things like this. So that I think you're going to have um, you're going to be a very busy person. Um, b- books are you a reader are you an avid reader i know you mentioned reading history books kind of got you into it at the start can you recommend any books or are books really not your thing um actually um no i would oh i would say that i'm one of those people that fall into the trap of collecting books that i never get to read because I used to be a far more avid reader before, but what happens when you get into your work, you tend to more and more, you know, but you kind of found your thing. So it takes up more and more of your time and, and, and getting yourself to sort of like sit down and mm-hmm. say, no, I'm going to read for a few hours. It's mm-hmm. always a bit challenging because I'd rather just take those three hours to just work. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the books that are really interested me have been, um, Things that I, you know, like, um, like as far as novels go, um, there's, there's, there's a really famous, well-known um, African writer that almost no one, no one outside of Africa seems to know about. But uh, his name is Usman Sabin. And he did this, wrote this beautiful book about um, 
uh, Africa when in sort of, I think he said in the 1950s, because I read this a while ago, um, that, and it's called God's Bits of Wood. And it's just basically about like um, their struggle to get rid of French colonialism, you know? Um, so it's, it's I, I really just write, I like to read, if I do read stuff, I like to read stuff which throws me into an experience that I almost know nothing about, you know? So that's just one random book. Um, another great book that I love um, is a writer named Rohit Mystery. Um, he was actually, he, 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 was, he, he was very successful, but he was actually um, the husband of my English lit teacher in high school. Oh, wow. You know? So he actually handed me my diploma. Uh, wow. when I graduated. Uh, but yeah, he was on Oprah and everything. Um, so he did a fantastic book called uh, A Fine Balance. Um, that's what I think that was his third book and probably my favorite one. Um, so it's just, and, and, and this was set in, um, and this is actually for, it's set in India in the 70s. Um, and it touches on like, uh, like um, sort of the, um, uh, struggle of lower caste communities, you know? And it actually ends closer to the events of 84. And it's really, it's, it, 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 it's such a sort of photograph of what a sort of meat grinder, the, the culture of the subcontinent can be to the sort of less desired communities, you know? Mm. Um, so that's, again, I would, if you want a really nice, solid read, which will probably both inspire and scar you, that's 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 a great. That's that's a lit, um, two books that I've never heard of. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's a sensitive topic, so I appreciate if you don't you don't want to talk about it. But I I'm heard you experience some of it on of eighty four on um, Azadvi's podcast. So do you mind touching on, because you were a kid at the time, right? Yeah, I mean, so my memories of it are not like so stark, but it's that when those very formative, my earliest memories, you know, so when I was age seven, so that's, you know, when you think back, that's kind of when your earliest memories are sort of forming. So we lived in Amritsar, so I have memories of Amritsar and Punjab just prior to that, um, around 83 to 84, it's the earliest memories that I have. And um, we used to, uh, my parents um, owned a hotel on, just on the periphery of uh, Herminder Sub um, complex. And um, so I, I have a lot of memories. My granddad used to sort of like help manage that because my father was, uh, he worked overseas. So, um, so, you know, I have memories of Amritsar around that time. Um, and I have memories of, um, when the 84 attack happened, I was very young. We lived uh, not too far from the hotel, um, within like line of sight from our, the top of our building to see our sub, the complex. Um, and I remember being very young. I remember being on the roof with my parents or with my mother. And, and I don't know if anybody else was there, but I do remember seeing it. I think I have memories of it, but it's more like it's like it was. I think I thought it was like fireworks or something. But I know that the, from the tension, I knew it was. Well, I think I had a sense that something very serious was going on. 
And then my, my mom told me afterwards that we would basically just stayed in. We, there was a curfew. We were scared to go out. And we were just, we were there with like no food and very little water for almost a week until eventually my granddad was able to come in, like get to us, you know, with a rickshaw and just get us out of the city. So it, 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 and then, you know, we, we moved to the UK and, and a lot of my memories around that, like, you know, you know, I mean, that was top of mind was going on you know, in those years. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I, when I did the painting, which is once in cholera, a lot of that came back to me um, because I remember just growing up as a kid, always seeing those photographs, you know, they used to have the, this magazine that was always like released almost like weekly or monthly that would tell what was going on back home and the photos are horrific. So a lot of that stuff was just really kind of, you know, it's just, it's all in there. <laughs> you, you made it out of Punjab. Um, you know, if you had stayed there, you, we might not have, we might not be doing this podcast today and the exhibition. And Yeah, because my generation, like, you know, it's, that's a generation that's almost just like white clean from that, you know, because mm-hmm. then, you know, if, you know, I was like seven. So as for the next 10 years, things are pretty bad. And there's plenty of kids who are like, you know, as young as mm-hmm. 12, 13, 15, 17, disappeared from that generation. I do feel that that's why I sort of feel a responsibility to sort of talk about that, explore that. And, and I'm, I hope to do more of that. I got plans to do more on that topic. It's not something I'm really ready to let go. Um, but at the same time, you know, you just do it as things come. You know. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I always ask all guests because this is geared towards a younger generation. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give to the younger generation? It's a very broad question. Right. Ooh, geez, honestly. If, I mean, I think if it's in terms of creative pursuits, I just think they really ought to take the time to unplug like what we've been talking about. And just, um, it, it just, it's just boring, but, you know, read books. Go on a sort of a slower wavelength. It's like, you know, you got to turn the dial down on the treadmill and just kind of like absorb more mm-hmm. um, and just be aware of like what's really valuable in life. I feel like it's frightening how much we waste, how much of our lives are wasted being plugged in um, to social media, to, to, to the screen. And it's like your whole life can kind of go by. And, it, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but you just can't. Time moves faster and faster the older you get. And I can't believe that I'm 15 years into my career. I still remember being very early, the early years, you know. Uh, and it just, it's amazing that that's just gone by. Um, so, I, I mean, it, even now I'm in my 40s and I am trying to really slow down and really try to, like, be more introspective, try to appreciate every day. Um, and just focus, you know, keep focusing on my growth, but really just sort of, and also just not be so like hard on yourselves too. You know, I think it's, it's a two pronged thing. We're given all these sort of drugs of sorts that slow our growth. And at the same time, we're fed this sort of constant do more, do more. This quote's going to solve it for you. You know, this attitude and it, 
And a lot of it is it's such nonsense, you know, when they tell you, you know, it's not about this. It's all, it always seems to point out that it's your attitude. It's your shitty attitude. That's why you can't like succeed. So it's almost like saying that it's like, it's not this world that is very challenging. It's not these environments that are challenging. It's not that like, generally year by year, it's not, things aren't actually getting easier, but getting harder for people to do the things that we took for granted you know, like owning a home or being able to raise a family, all these things. And then, so there's a, it's a lot of stuff that's being thrown on people now, younger kids too, as if it's somehow their fault. And it's not their fault. It's the state of the world we live in, the world we've created, the economics we live by. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would also just say, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. Things are harder for you than they were for people 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um... I really like that because I I was on the basics podcast yesterday and we were talking about men's mental health and, um, and we were talking about how men, there's this bravado that, you know, everything's fine. And, you know, you're, you're trying to do everything. You're trying to juggle family life, work, you know, look after your health, try and do some simran, all these different types of competing um, priorities and on top of that, you got social life and, and TV and like you know, yeah. things that people do to relax. And um, it's, it's really important to, I think, go back to like when I when I was in Punjab for a year, when I was younger, it was a really simple life. We had no TV, you spent time with your grandparents, you know, you played with the other kids and it was a much happier, much better life. So I think we the more we go towards the Western model of, you know, you got, you got to be more and more alone um, yeah. in terms of like separate households and, you know, relationships are, seems like there's more and more breakdown of relationships, more and more breakdown of marriages, kids, people have less time for their kids. They, they're on this kind of rat race uh, on this wheel, trying to earn more and more money so they can keep up with the Joneses. And it just seems very contrary to um, how we're meant to actually supposed to live to live a kind of content fulfilled lifestyle and we're chasing goals that aren't our own we want to you know people want Lamborghinis and all this kind of stuff but like you said you know plenty of miserable rich people and as do I yeah I um, pretty much only know miserable rich people <laughs> I'm trying to find a happy one <laughs> yeah yeah so um, no because it's it's just like we're fa- it's like a damned if you do or damned if you don't sort of situation if you don't succeed it's your fault and if you do well you know turns out you're not happy anywhere. and i think that's why more than ever like sikhi is just so important you know and really sharing these messages is really important i i think it's just like we we're in a situation where people need a path out they need a way forward um and that's it's just that's why I think it's just and that's why reframing like our history, n- not as something that just it's our history, but it, it's rethinking Sikhi is like a message for the world. You know, it doesn't belong to us. You know, nobody has ownership of it. And it, as a Sikh, your responsibility is really, if anything, just to project that message outwards, to share it with as many people as possible. So in whatever platform you're able to do that, however many people you're able to reach, you're doing enormous good, you know? It's like, you can just be the messenger. Like the message has already been packed beautifully for you, you know? Just be the messenger. So, okay. and that's that's really, that's become my sort of goal with my work. Um, and that's, and the thing is when you do, when you reframe your goals that way, um, it just gives you enormous motivation. 
like absolutely just enormous motivation. So you don't burn out. You're not so bothered if, you know, this thing didn't work out or this didn't earn you whatever it was supposed to or people didn't appreciate that. You just know that collectively your efforts will be rewarded. Amazing. If people want to reach you and tell you about the impact your exhibition has had on their life or, or the book once they come, um, once it, how can they reach you? How can they connect with you? Um, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I do just check like, you know, any comments on social media about any particular piece, like, you know, um, like I'm controlled with myself in terms of how much, you know, I, I, like I do see that. I mean, I don't want to just knock it. it. It is a wonderful way to engage with people who are interested in your work. Um, so as much as possible, you know, they can always reach out to me on, on that. If they want to read, but I'm all, I sometimes I'm, I'm I've received just beautiful messages where people have just emailed me. So my email is, uh, it's contact at artopenjob.com. Um, and, you know, you want to send me a message. I'm always happy to read them. Um, part of that is what we're actually going to be discussing um, with the, um, the Art of the Mind talk that we're doing uh, at 5.30 on Thursday. Um, and uh, and it's, it's really going to be, I, I think, like, I mean, I mean, if I get a chance, I will try to read off some of these wonderful messages that I've gotten. Um, because the thing is, people have said, you know, um, you know, my brother was having a really hard time um, because a lot of my work was done, you know, it was, it was all done like post 9-11 where it was really difficult to be a sick. You know, it was really difficult to maintain your identity for a lot of people. And, and they just, and I've had messages saying, you know, you know, my brother was having a really hard time, but then, you know, I gave him your painting and that gave him just, you know, that reminded him why, right? Um, it said a lot better than that. But it was a really moving thing. And this person was thanking me, but I just want to say thank you because when I sort of lose my way and I don't know why, I, I like to read that kind of, those, those messages. They help me, they, they fuel me. They give me a sense of direction too, you know? So. What a beautiful thing for your work to have like that impact on someone's life. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's 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 good to have sort of like you know the, the longer you're doing something to be able to frame what you're doing with um, beyond the goals of like you know. I want to be able to pay the bills and I want to do this. You really want to say, well, what, what's the wider purpose? Because I, I find that with people that are successful in the way that we define success commercially, we get, they get a lot of accolades initially, you know, yeah, you're an investment banker, you're a this, that, surgeon, whatever. Well, not, not surgeons, they do great work. <laughs> but um, I'm going to say like, you know, they get a lot of accolades initially, but then I think as you get older, that sort of sort of, you need to have some sense of purpose, you know? And once you have a sense of purpose, then, um, then you can, um, I don't know, it could just, it, it, it carries you, is, is all I'm really trying to say, you know? So, Thank so you it, for... it's wonderful when people reach out to me and say, what impact my work had. Yeah. That's amazing. 
And I know that I missed this question earlier, but it was about fatherhood because I'm a dad and I, I often get asked about people who looking to get married or looking to start a family and they're always asking for advice. So do you have any tips? Because you're you've you have kids, you have a beautiful family. Um yeah, I think the one thing I do tell anyone um who you know have their, their first child, I always just say like, you know, it's so cliche, but it, the time goes by so quickly, you know. So if I, you know, I would I would pay like, you know, <laughs> I would empty half my bank account if I could just like step back to like ten years ago or five years ago and see my kids at that age on a day where I was busy doing something something that I don't remember now. So it's it's like you just want to try to absorb as much of it as possible, you know. That's You're beautiful. fortunate enough to, you know, have kids and have that you know, then just soak it in because it just, it goes by really quickly. That's amazing. I, I want to take this opportunity f- to thank you for the seva that you've done. It's it's really means a lot to me, to my family, to my um, network and, and the community as a whole. Um, so thank you so much for that. And um, and yeah, so thank you for your time today and I'll see you, I'll see you in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, please come to Birmingham. Um, just check out this amazing exhibition that a lot of people put hard work into it's free it's open to everybody um, and it, it's going to be a show to send you. So check it amazing out. amazing thank, thank you, you.